All right, guys, it's showtime. Episode one of Real Talk with Jeff. Um, beyond excited uh, to get talking with you guys and, and share you guys my uh, my sports insight, if you will. Um, got lots of fun topics on in store for you today. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the XFL uh, opening weekend. Um, we're gonna be talking about uh, today in the life of sports, kind of what happened uh, on this famous day. And then we're going to close with um, none other than Tom Brady. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that I'm a big Tom Brady guy. Um, big fan of his. And obviously, his story right now in the NFL is one of the bigger ones. And uh, we're going to break that down, dissect it. And basically, you're going to hear from me as to why he will or will not play for certain teams. Um, I'm going to give every team the benefit of the doubt, but I'm also going to, uh, give the reasons why I don't think he would play for those teams. So as we'll, uh, as we can, we'll get started here and start talking about the XFL. So I did watch both Saturday games. Um, first off the product alone, real good stuff. Uh, the new rules versus your traditional college football or NFL, um, the way they showed the replays, it just feels like it's going to be a super fun league, real refreshing versus what we're traditionally used to if you're watching a college football game on Saturday or an NFL game on Sunday, Monday, Thursdays. I think that uh, Vince McMahon has put out a pretty solid product here that should um, should succeed. I did hear that their, their first weekend... They have already surpassed ticket sales for the entire season of the AAF that uh, kind of folded midway through their season. So it does look like it's going to be a promising year for the XFL in uh, just a few short weeks. So let's talk about um, who I thought was the best team over the weekend. Uh, Houston, uh, their quarterback, P.J. Walker. um, Excellent game, four touchdowns in the first week of the XFL. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of high-powered offenses this weekend that really stood out to me, except for Houston's. And uh, I just think that what we're seeing from these different teams and these certain players, I, I really think that they – it might be bad for the XFL that if P.J. Walker were to get snatched up by an NFL team because there's no continuity and and all these star players that have a breakout season could be – flipping themselves to the NFL and uh, next year Houston could be looking for a quarterback so they could easily go from being the best team to being the worst team next year if they're if they're starting over um, so before the season started I had kind of handpicked the Vipers as my go-to team they were going to be my uh, my pick my my homer team if you will and they're by far the worst team of all the teams that I watched this weekend. Uh, couldn't move the ball at all. Their quarterback, Aaron Murray from Georgia, was one of the reasons that I picked the team. Um, I could relate to Aaron Murray. I watched him play in college. Uh, their running back, Devion Smith from Michigan, had a solid day. Nothing crazy, nothing nothing bad, but nothing to really write home about either. But Aaron Murray just played so bad. And... Really, of, of all eight teams that that played this weekend, the Vipers were by far the worst team. 
So that's not exactly a, a way to pick a team and have them uh, support you week one. But another team that really stood out to me, um, the D.C. Defenders. And uh, me being from uh, Ohio, um, most of you that are listening to this, almost all of you that are listening to this probably know who I am and where I'm from. But uh, Ohio, I think a lot of people are pulling for the D.C. Defenders because of the fact that Cardell Jones is the, the quarterback, former Buckeye. Honestly, besides P.J. Walker, he was the second-best player all weekend. Played really well, um, and that was kind of shocking because their head coach, Pep Hamilton, used to coach for used to be the offensive coordinator in Michigan and was basically atrocious. Um, so just get get used to them throwing uh, bubble screens on third and long and your team punting in unnecessary situations when you're down by 20. <laughs> um, I did think it was interesting that... Uh, this weekend, the the teams that led led in rushing were one in three. St. Louis being the only team that won, so it, it's it's really more of a passing league at least in the first weekend. Um, definitely some fun stuff though. The the rules I'd like to touch on um, your your kickoffs. Obviously, if you guys watch this, the formation of the kickoff is just completely different. There's no, there's no sprinting downfield. It's more of a kick. The kick returner catches the ball, and then the, the receiving team and, and the, the kicking team then engage in blocking. And uh, Very interesting. Um, I enjoyed it. thought it was unique. Um, don't get me wrong. I still think the NFL is the best product in the world, but the XFL has a lot of cool things, and that was one of them. Um, I do think it's interesting in something that I, I personally enjoy and I like about this league is when you score a touchdown, you get three options, none of which are kicking a field goal. So you take the kicker out of the game. You can go for it for one point, two points, or three points, and then it's in descending yards that uh, – in descending difficulties that those points are worth. So I think like the one-pointer is like from like the, I don't know, the three- or four-yard line and then like the maybe the 10-yard line there's a – there's a uh, the three pointer, and then somewhere in between there, you have the two pointer. So it's everything's within the ten, but it's uh, it's just refreshing to see teams being able to score nine points in a single in a single possession. It just feels like you're never out of a game. I mean, eighteen points is still a two possession game, so that's that's really fun in my opinion. Um, I do think it's cool that the the clock stops. After every single play under two minutes, whether it goes out of bounds or not, um, they take some time off the uh, off the play clock, so it kind of speeds up the gameplay. But it's super fun. Um, that's all I have to say really about the XFL. It was just it was just fun to watch, and a difference between college football, XFL, NFL. You, there's just a clear difference right now. And though there's not a lot of name variety in the XFL. I understand, you know, them doing interviews so often with these players. They're trying to give these players a name and a face and a personality for you to connect with. But it was a little overdone, in my opinion. The consistent, you know, this guy just ran 30 yards for a touchdown. He's out of breath. Let's throw a microphone in his face. That was a little too much for me, personally. But overall, Pretty uh, pretty good stuff the first weekend. I'm actually pretty excited for this second weekend. Hopefully the Vipers don't look like the worst team in the league. Um, so yeah, let's let's go to this next segment here. What's uh, I want to 
one of the staples of this show I want to do is uh, uh, this day in sports. I thought this was kind of a fun fact. So in 1879, the first artificial ice rink opened in North America. Um, for those of you listening at home, Madison Square Garden in New York City, home of the New York Rangers. That's kind of cool. Uh, I did not realize that they were the first ones, but it does make sense. Um, as a Michigan fan, this one kind of hurts me. Uh, today, February 12th, when I'm when I'm recording this podcast, it's been 3,000 days exactly since Michigan's last beat Ohio State in football. Um, that, uh, that's pretty tough to swallow, really. Uh, that day that Michigan last beat Ohio State was also the day that my wife told me that she was pregnant with our first child. So, that, I mean, it holds special, but at the same time, it's like, can we just beat Ohio State at this point? <laughs> It's gotten uh it's gotten become pretty frustrating as a fan, um, as a very passionate fan of the Michigan Wolverines. We're definitely sadly a basketball school at this point, which kinda sucks, but um <clears throat> a friend of mine, Jeff Halbert, some of you guys may know him, some of you may not, uh tipped me off on this NFL.com QB rankings list this week. And this this gave me a really good chuckle because this list, I, I could basically tear it apart. It's not horrible rankings one through four, but when you rank the top 30, it's just, it's beyond bad. So I'm just going to read through this and kind of dissect it a little by little by little here. They do have it as a, a dead knot tie at number one with Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes. I could pretty much agree with that, though I do put Pat Mahomes above Lamar Jackson. And to be honest, I probably put Lamar Jackson at three behind Russell Wilson. But they do have Russell Wilson here at three, so that's it's not bad. Uh, Drew Brees at four. You know, you could argue it. You could argue against it. I, I personally don't have a huge problem with it. It, it gets worse on this list, though. Um, you have Deshaun Watson at five. Deshaun Watson's a great young talent. I think he's got a lot of uh, a lot of athleticism. He's, he's a good player, great leader. Um, I do think he has a terrible coach. I think they have a t- terrible organization behind him. The offensive line's been pretty much atrocious since he's been there. He does have a great receiver, but personally, I, I would put Aaron Rodgers there at number five. It's really hard for you to argue against Aaron Rodgers at this point, but here, here's where it gets worse. So after five, you have Deshaun Watson. Then at number six, you have Ryan Tannehill. So mind you, I brought up Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is not above Ryan Tannehill. That alone is a joke. So just keep in mind Ryan Tannehill's number six as I read off some of these other names. Aaron Rodgers at seven. Again, I think he needs to be at least two spots higher. You could probably argue him at four. And then, oh boy, it gets bad. Uh, Cousins at eight, tied with Stafford. So, again, uh, nothing against Stafford here, but he has zero playoff wins. And he's played with some solid players. Now, I'm not making excuses or against him, but I think at this point he should have at least won a playoff game. And the fact that he hasn't, I, I find it hard to put him at eight here, especially next to Cousins, who wins exactly zero big games in his career. Um, Carson Wentz at 10. I would probably put him above both Cousins and Stafford and Ryan Tannehill. So personally, I'd probably throw Cousins at seven. Or I'm sorry, Wentz at seven. You got Dak at number 11. It's not terrible. Dak had a really good season, despite what a lot of people say. He did have a lot of garbage yards, but he had a pretty good season. He played really good against bad teams and played okay against good teams. And unfortunately, in the clutch situations, he didn't have the best games. But, I mean, overall, he had a pretty solid year, statistically speaking. 
Uh, Matt Ryan at 12. That's that's fair. That's not bad. Kyler Murray at 13. Again, as a rookie, I think it's a little high personally, though he did play really well and his team obviously was not very good. Uh, Tom Brady at 14. This one's kind of hard for me to swallow because I do believe that Tom Brady is still a, a top 10 quarterback. But had a pretty down year. Not really statistically. He only threw eight picks, which is only one in every two games. Um, had 24 touchdowns. So that's a 3-1 to one touchdown interception ratio, which was one of the best in the entire league. Um, Tom was actually pretty solid this year, despite the offense not being very good. Um, this one just cracks me up. So Jimmy G at 15. So Jimmy G just took his team to a Super Bowl. Um, has a fantastic winning percentage in his career. And he is behind Kyler Murray, a rookie. Dak Prescott, who I think maybe has one playoff win, but outside of that, nothing. Stafford, zero playoff wins. Cousins, never won a big game in his life. And Ryan Tannehill, up until about, I don't know, November this year, nobody gave two craps about. Former Dolphin quarterback, has done nothing in his life. Played pretty well behind... A very good running game this year, but again, I the fact that he's six is just mind-boggling. You got Derek Carr in here at sixteen, not too bad. Ryan Fitzpatrick at seventeen, I think that's really high for him, especially after some of these names I'm gonna read off to you. Josh Allen at eighteen. Josh Allen had a really good year. Uh, a lot of people are critical of him because he still plays for the Bills, and he did have some kind of weird moments in the playoff game. But honestly, Josh Allen had a really good year. 19, Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I understand Teddy Bridgewater didn't lose a game this year. Played really well at times. But he also played on the Saints team. And I do think it's really high for him, especially with some of these names I'm going to read off to you next. 20 is Jared Goff, who despite everything that's happened to him in his young career, he doesn't have a running game. He threw the ball actually pretty well this year. He's one year removed from a Super Bowl, and we have him behind Teddy Bridgewater, Josh Allen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, a rookie, Stafford, who again doesn't have any playoff wins, Kirk Cousins, who wins exactly zero big games in his life, and Ryan Tannehill, who before November nobody was talking about. Just pretty low for Jerry Goff, honestly. Oh, let's see here. 21, Phillip Rivers uh, through 20 picks this year. Pretty fair spot for him, but I think it's funny because Jameis Winston's at 22, and Jameis Winston had Jameis Winston had probably a thousand more yards than Philip Rivers, ten more touchdowns, and he had the exact same amount of picks, maybe a couple more, and he's below him. Jameis, I understand Jameis has two great receivers, pretty good tight end, great coach, but Jameis is actually a lot better than his picks that he threw this year. I really believe that, and he believe he needs to be over a couple of these guys, including Rivers. Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, heck, he beat Ryan Fitzpatrick for the quarterback job in Tampa Bay. And the fact that he's under him is just just dumb. This is tip by the way, this is NFL.com. I don't know if I told you guys that. Uh Daniel Jones at 23. Baker at 24. I do think Baker had a down year. He should recover from that. Um, obviously, two very, very talented wide receivers. Uh probably the best two running backs in the league combined, if we're being honest. And then a pretty good tight end that was injured all year. Coaching switch should do him good. If Baker just shuts up for five minutes, he could be really good in that offense. Um, Gardner Minshew, I, honestly, he had a really great year. I, I probably put him over Baker, Daniel Jones, 
Um, probably even Philip Rivers. Honestly, Gardner Minshew had a great year. Um, kind of disrespected on this list, probably because he was benched at some point. But Then you got uh, Sam Darnold, who had a decent year. His team's pretty bad. Jacoby Brissett had a pretty bad year to the standards of the fact that his team's really good. Here's another issue I got. So they got Dwayne Haskins on here at 28. Dwayne Haskins played in about nine games. I don't know how many of those he actually fully played in, but it says he played in nine games. Threw seven touchdowns, seven picks. Not very good. I know the Redskins weren't very good, but still. But underneath him, they got Drew Locke, who actually only played in like four games and threw the exact same amount of touchdowns with less picks. Drew Locke's better than Dwayne Haskins at this point, in my opinion. Probably even better than Jacoby Brissett. Um, Drew Locke's got a lot to prove still, but he had a really good year with Denver late in the year. And then nothing crazy here, but tied at 30, you got Andy Dalton and Mitchell Trubisky, neither of which are anything to brag about or talk about or try to defend. They're both pretty bad. But ultimately, this list is jokeable because you have Ryan Tannehill at number six. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's move to the closing segment here. Um, it's about Tom Brady. Again, if you're listening to this, you probably know who I am and you know that I'm a big Tom Brady fan. Um lot to really break down here. Um, I'll tell you where I think Tom Brady is going to play at the end of this podcast. But here's where I'm going to just kind of break down what team. And I'm going to tell you why he'll play for them and why he won't play for them. Start with the LA Chargers. Uh, Los Angeles. Why should he play for them? First off, they got cap space. They got a pretty talented roster. They got two running backs. Um, they do need to sign Melvin Gordon. Um, that, that contract situation is a little fishy right now. They got solid receivers. Um, Hunter Henry is a free agent, but I do feel like they could probably easily resign him if they were to land Tom Brady. Um, but, you know, as good as that is, another reason I think he might play there is just because it's in California. He is a California kid. Um, but here's why I don't think he will. First off, this is going to be true to a couple of different teams in here. The Chargers play in the same division the AFC West, as the Chiefs. Tom Brady is not going to offer himself up to play Pat Mahomes twice. Including, once a year you have to play a road game at Denver. Uh, Tom Brady is, statistically speaking, very bad at Denver. Um, The Raiders team, who has been on the climb for the last two years, they still have more draft picks in this upcoming class. They should still improve again. Now they don't have... uh, a, B, I'm, I like to freeze my feet and complain about my helmet on their team. Um, you're going to have to play the up-and-coming Raiders twice. I just don't see why Tom Brady would offer himself up to play for the Chargers. Now, they do play New England this year, I'm pretty sure, if he played for the Chargers. That would be, I guess, I don't know, it's one year, though. Who really cares about a one-year thing? I just, I don't know. I think that if he really wanted to kind of play against New England, he could do that in, in different ways, but... I just I don't think he ends up with the Chargers, but if he does, reason being, it's in LA, which is California. They got cap space, they got a roster, they got running backs. Um, he could get the contract he wants. I don't know. I I could see it, but my pick is no. Uh, the Raiders. Why? Uh, well, first off, it's Las Vegas. Nobody's ever played in Vegas before. Who better than to have your first season in Vegas than Tom freaking Brady, right? Um, they got cap space, they got a coach, they got draft picks, they have a young growing roster. Um, I do believe that they could probably bring in a wide receiver or two that Brady would request 
them to to go after, whether that be a an AJ Green or an, uh, Amari Amari Cooper, um, maybe even a Danny Amendola who he's played with in New England before. Um, I do think that if Brady went to the Raiders, I think they would probably meet his needs as a receiver. But one of the reasons I don't think he'll play there is again back to the AFC West. Got to play Pat Mahomes twice. You got to play at Denver. Um, the Chargers actually do have a talented roster, so you'd have to play them twice. I just don't see – I personally don't see a Tom Brady to Las Vegas Raiders happening, um, especially the fact that they have a young roster. And Brady has just kind of gotten to the point where he wants to win now. He wants to be respected and paid, but he, he also wants to win now. And I just don't know that playing for a young Raiders team would be in his best interest. Um, number three I have on this list, Tampa Bay Bucks. Why this makes a lot of sense is they do have two stud receivers. They have a really good, respected quarterbacks coach. They have cap space. They have a tight end. A lot makes sense here. Uh, why I don't think he'll go. Nothing to poke fun at the Bucks, but they're they're a bad franchise historically. They're just they've won one Super Bowl. You can kind of argue it was a fluke because they had John Gruden coach against his former team. I just don't know how Tom Brady would feel about just going to the Tampa Bay Bucks, And that's not a shot at the Bucks fans or anybody else listening to this. I just don't think that's a spot for him. I don't think Giselle would want to be there either. I mean, I just don't see Giselle wanting to model in Tampa Bay. I don't know. It just doesn't It doesn't feel right to me. Um, their coach is old, but so is Brady. I, personally, I think this is a no, just basically off the simple fact of they're not, they're not a – I don't feel like they're a Tom Brady-esque franchise. That's not a shot. Uh, let's see here. Another team, the Colts. Why this makes a lot of sense, really. Uh, good roster. They have cap space. Um, they don't really have a proven coach, but they have a solid coach. Um, they play in a dome, which I do think helped Peyton Manning through his career, especially extend it and if Tom Brady got to play at least eight games a year in a dome I do think that he would easily make it to 45 um the reasons I don't think he'll go there first off their QB history the fact that you've had Peyton Manning you've had Andrew Luck Tom Brady doesn't ride second fiddle to anybody I just don't see I don't see that one coming to fruition um I really don't think his wife would want to move to Indianapolis and that's not a shot at Indianapolis I just it's not. It's not a. It's not a big city. It's a very small Midwest city that I don't see Giselle saying, "Yeah, let's move the family to Indianapolis." Um, Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. Now, <laughs> if this isn't a match made in heaven, I don't know what is. Why would you? Why would he go to Dallas? First off, it's freaking Dallas. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, their roster is one of the best in the entire league, bar none. One of the best old lines, a great Hall of Fame in, in the making running back. Um, they do have wide receivers. I do believe that they could probably bring in some pieces that Brady would want. Um, they have a coach, especially a new coach who's known for winning Super Bowls and uh, Super Bowl, I guess I should say. But I, I do think Tom could go there and be happy. Again, they play in a dome. That's eight games a year that that Brady wouldn't have to freeze his tail off outside. Um, but some of the reasons I don't think he'll go here. First off, I, I don't see Dallas 
moving off Dak Prescott. It just doesn't make doesn't make a lot of sense only because of how young Dak is, and I I do think that he has a promising career. He's so he reminds me so much of Ben Roethlisberger, just a big quarterback can move in the pocket, not a runner, but can easily plow you over. He's just bigger than you. Um, another reason I don't think it works out. Uh, I don't think this this is weird, but Brady grew up a Niners fan. Niners, Cowboys, they are a small rival. I just don't see Brady's old school. I just don't see him wanting to play for a 49ers rival. I know that sounds really silly, but it's just something that I've been keeping in the back of my mind. Like I feel like Tom Brady grew up hating the Cowboys, and I don't think he would want to play for them. I don't know. Tell me what you guys think. I don't know. <sighs> Last team, New England Patriots. Why should he? Why should he be in New England? Um, first off, it's home. Um, he's the greatest New England Patriot that's ever walked this planet. Um, no other player will ever wear number twelve in New England, and whether he leaves or not, it'll be that way. But he's just—he means so much to the New England states, to Boston, to to football in general. But why should he stay there? First off. As much as the tension seems to be a storyline, I I do believe that he enjoys playing for Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick enjoys coaching him. I do think they're a match made in heaven, even though there's some tension there. Robert Kraft, I do believe that he's a top three owner in this league, if not number one. And Tom Brady truly embraces Robert Kraft in that sense. Um, Josh McDaniels, you know, Tom Brady gets to go home every single night knowing the playbook by heart yeah does he go home and still study and run through it i'm sure but he knows it it's his playbook you go to another team you you you're gonna have another playbook josh mcdaniels um being teamed up with brady now for years and years and years i just don't see i don't see how brady would want to leave that um why else you know you got julian edelman who seems to be tom's best friend in the entire league I do think that New England can probably bring in at least one receiver for Tom, whether that be Danny Amendola and A.J. Green. I don't think they can really get an Amari Cooper unless they kind of... I think they'd have to have a cap casualty on defense. I think that they could potentially make a move for Stephon Diggs. would be a little crazy, but I think that something could probably work there. Um, Brady's his own brand. I mean, his brand is stronger in New England. The only place it would be stronger is probably Dallas. Why would he risk hurting that? Um, I don't know. It just seems it seems so apparent to me that Tom Brady will resign. But I've I've also opened myself up to the fact that he could play somewhere else. I just I don't know. Not a lot of situations. We just went through five, six different situations. None of them really sound ideal. Outside of maybe Dallas and Tampa Bay, and I do think Tampa Bay is a long shot. Um, Dallas sounds appealing, but again, I think they're a long shot too just because of their quarterback situation. So who else? The Chargers? I'm dead set that the fact that Pat Mahomes playing him twice, playing at Denver, the upcoming Raiders, that just doesn't make doesn't make a lot of sense. So unless somebody is unhappy with their quarterback and cuts him and makes a huge play for Brady, I think Brady stays in New England. But why would he not? Why would what? What are the reasons I think he wouldn't? First off, I do think Brady wants more money and wants to be respected. Um, I do think that matters to him. Does New England have the money to pay him? I do think they do, but 
what could they do after that? Could they bring in the weapons? Could they bring in a, a top-tier receiver? What could you do in the draft? Um, you know, those are those are big reasons. Why else would he not come back? You know, maybe maybe the tension between him and Bill Belichick is just way more than what we know of. Because you know the media talks about it, but it doesn't seem to be an issue. I mean, they're, hell, they're like three hundred and seventy days removed from winning a Super Bowl. I mean, let's pump the brakes on the fact that they hate each other. I think that's a little too much, but um, ultimately. I do think Tom Brady stays in New England. I don't see. I don't see another situation where he leaves. I really don't. Uh, you know, we just mapped out all those situations. I think the New England Patriots are his best situation. Now, do I think he should? Do I think he should play until he's forty-five? No, I don't. I honestly don't. Um, but I do think that forty-three-year-old Tom Brady this August can still win you a Super Bowl if you put the pieces around him. And on any of those rosters that I just listed, you, the L.A. Chargers the Las Vegas Raiders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Indianapolis Colts, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New England Patriots, any of which of those teams that add Tom Brady is a Super Bowl favorite. Are they the favorites? Like, number one, do the betting odds? No. But they're all in the discussion to win a Super Bowl, and there's one common denominator there, Tom Brady. And none of those teams without him would be. So say what you want. You know, NFL.com's got him at number 14. I probably would try and sneak him in the top 10 there. No, he's not better than your Lamar Jacksons, your Pat Mahomes, your Russell Wilsons, Drew Brees, Sean Watson, Aaron Rodgers. But I do think he's right there with a with a Dak, a Matt Ryan. Carson Wentz had a pretty darn good year for basically throwing to graham crackers. Um, overall... Tom Brady stays in New England. That's my pick. All right, guys. Um, that's it for today. Um, tried to keep this short and sweet to maybe a drive to work. Um, we're over the 30-minute mark here. I had a really great time recording this first episode. Hopefully I gave you some pretty cool stuff, some cool content. Um, reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, you know where to find me there, Jeff Johnson. Um Reach me out on Twitter. It's at jjohnson55515. Yes, there's 100 J. Johnsons out there, so 55515 is necessary. Um, keep, uh, keep a lookout for more episodes. Um, I'll try to get at least one out per week, but maybe I'll do more depending on if there's an urgent topic or anything like that. Um, yeah, as far as the Apple Podcasts, uh, that should be coming around the corner soon. Um, right from the get, they were able to give me Spotify and Anchor. So those are going to be your two streaming platforms for right now. Um, I appreciate all the support that I've gotten through Facebook and Twitter. Um, so humbling, so fun. Um, a lot of really kind words. Um, this won't just be a, a Michigan Patriots Detroit sports podcast. I will be talking about other things. Um I was going to bring up a particular Ohio State Buckeye topic today, but uh, to be honest, I don't really want to get into that. I think it's a little more than my britchers are willing to hold for today. And I try to give people justice, not just point fingers and say you're guilty when I don't know if you are or not. So uh, anyways, we're not going to get into that. So super fun first episode. Be on the lookout. Thank you so much for all the support. And uh, see you next time.